Hello, my name is Francis Greenway, and today I am joined by Lawrence Acker QC. We will be talking today about the provisions in the new 2020 LCIA rules that relate to information security and data protection. Lawrence is an arbitrator and barrister at 20 Essex Chambers in London. He is a specialist in commercial and IT law, including most relevantly to uh, today's discussion, he's a specialist in data protection. Indeed, he is a member of the ICCA and IBA Joint Task Force on Data Protection in International Arbitration Proceedings, which is due to publish a roadmap covering some of the issues we will be talking about today. He is also the co-author of a book on IT contracts and dispute management. Lawrence, thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, hello, Francis. Uh, thank you for the, the book plug and thank you very much for inviting me. I'm very pleased to be here and to be able to contribute to the LCIA's podcast series. Thank you, Lawrence. Uh, the LCIA is the first institution to have included explicit provisions in its rules addressing data protection. Why do you think that there is an emphasis now on data protection and cybersecurity and arbitration? Well, two of the, uh, the key advantages of arbitration have always been its, its flexibility and its confidentiality. So it's, it's always been possible for arbitrators and, and parties to consider directions needed to enhance them. But especially given the, the rapid advance of technology, I think it's an excellent idea for the LCIA to direct everyone's minds specifically uh, towards consideration of, of particular measures. And the same is the case with data protection. The GDPR uh, in, in the UK and, and the EU have made people think about data protection much more, even though many of the obligations are not new at all. Indeed, we've, we've had them, many of them, since the 1990s in this country. Uh, but there's certainly more of an international interest in, in data protection uh, nowadays, even outside the EU. And we've seen recent new legislation in California, in Brazil, in India and elsewhere. So I think this is a great time to be thinking about it. Thank you very much, Lawrence, for that explanation. Can you give us an overview of the provisions that have been introduced in the 2020 rules that address data protection and information security? Uh, yes, of course. Um, two, uh, the, the new provisions in the rules are at Article 30A. They really divide into um, two main sections. Uh, the first part is Article 30.4. Uh, and that deals with processing of data by the LCIA itself, for example, in uh, the administration of, of arbitrations. And that's really just a, another way of giving notice to parties uh, and arbitral participants that the LCIA is processing their data uh, and it directs them to the LCIA's data protection notice on the website, which has been uh, updated following GDPR. That document is really self-explanatory and uh, I'd say quite easy to read, uh, unlike rather a lot of data protection notices that we've all been seen and subjected to over the past couple of years or so. So that, that's um, certainly worth reading. The, the second um, main part of the rules is in Article 30.5. Uh, and that really does emphasise that there is nothing startling here it just makes it clear what in any event should be the case that it, it's part of the tribunal's general duty uh, to conduct arbitrations fairly to adopt suitable procedures 
Um, and the tribunal should therefore consider whether the arbitration needs any specific IT security measures or any specific data protection measures. Uh, and of course, tribunals have always had those, those obligations. So this rule is really just a light touch reminder to tribunals and parties to, to at least consider at an early stage with the LCI itself, if, if they want to or they need to, uh, to consider whether any particular arbitration needs specific information security measures to protect um, electronic data and indeed even data in physical form, such as hard copy documents. And at the same time, they should think about whether there's any applicable data protection legislation concerning processing of personal data and what that legislation might require. So the idea is really just to provide a reminder and to make the conversation easier to have. And it will hopefully provoke early discussion and thought about some important subjects. And I would say lastly, that there's a provision in Article 30.6 uh, that the LCIA itself can issue directions uh, if it needs to. I'm very sure this will not be necessary in, in the very great majority of cases. It, it really is normally a matter for the tribunal and the parties to work out between them. But this provision is there just in case the LCIA needs to become involved in, in particularly unusual circumstances. I see. Thank you very much indeed for that overview of the rules. So one of the key requirements is now that tribunals must consider information security and data protection, as you've said, at an early stage. What are the key information security questions that parties and tribunals should be asking themselves? What should they be on the lookout for? Well, that's a, that's a difficult question. It depends on all sorts of things, which is why the rules are not prescriptive. And... Uh, as is often the case with technology, given the pace of change, any, any prescriptive rules will be out of date as soon as they're published. Uh, plus, of course, every arbitration is, is different. There really is no one-size-fits-all solution. Uh, but to give, uh, to give a flavour, uh, I can think of a few areas by way of example. So for information security, you might want to think about storage and transfer of data and, and documents, as I say, including hard copy documents. So uh, is email okay as a, as a method of communication? Do there need to be secure file sites set up? Uh, are passwords sufficient? Should there be two-factor authentication using your, your mobile phone like you have for a bank account? Uh, you might think about whether the parties or the arbitrators should be required to store data in a particularly secure way, safe from hacking. Um, should they be using encryption? Can people use shared computers? Should they use antivirus software? Uh, much of this is going to be dealt with in any event by professional rules governing counsel and uh, others involved in an arbitration in any event. Uh, so many of the participants will have thought about this uh, perhaps at some length beforehand, but, but it's still worth talking about uh, when everyone is present. Other things people might think about are how evidence is going to be given and stored. Uh, video conferencing is obviously a hot topic at the moment, so how will that be secured? Uh, might you be making use of e-bundles stored in a, in a data room, etc.? Uh, there's, there's a great deal of guidance already out there. Most of these issues are not specific to arbitration or indeed specific to, to lawyers or the law, but they are good cyber practice in, in any event. And you might have a look 
for example, the IBA cybersecurity protocol, which gives a lot of information about this sort of thing and, and some very good examples. I see. That's that's very interesting um, on information security. Turning now to data protection, uh, what sort of questions might people think about there? Uh, well, there's, of course, a, a very great overlap between data protection and information security. The starting point here really will be to think about which different rules might apply. So uh, there may be mandatory rules which apply by reason of the location of the parties or the arbitrators or the location of the data. So you'll need to think about that. Um, of course, for example, in the UK, at least at the moment, main legislation is GDPR uh, and that has extraterritorial scope. So it applies to the processing of personal data of anyone who is in the EU even if the person doing the processing is not. So uh, a Chinese party, for example, may be bound to apply GDPR rules in certain circumstances if they process data, even in China, which is the personal data of someone in the EU. So one needs to think quite carefully about which rules uh, might apply. Uh, bear in mind that the parties in the tribunal might not just be processing data of the parties themselves, but of, of experts, third parties, witnesses, even people who are just mentioned in correspondence, such as uh, employees. Does all that data really need to be processed? Can you blank some of it out, for example? And uh, you'll need to think about what kinds of data are involved. So very sensitive material such as health data or political data may require uh, different and more stringent protection. And then once you've identified the, the sort of potential data that you think is going to be used in the arbitration, you need to think about why that's going to be used in the arbitration and what the legal basis for processing it is. Uh, many people think it's okay, for example, if you have consent, but consent very often isn't the right solution, not least because um, people can withdraw it. There then might be rules which restrict uh, where data can be sent across borders, for example, out of the EU, whether it can be sent to the US. And all of these potential data flows may depend, again, on where the parties are, whose data is being processed, where the arbitrators are. Uh, and there can be some less obvious data flows, such as data going to witnesses in different countries, parties such as transcribers, experts, tribunal secretaries, e-discovery companies, all sorts. Uh, you might need to discuss what to do if a data subject access request comes in during the course of the arbitration or, or indeed is even made by one of the parties asking for the arbitrators to produce documents. Uh, what to do if there's a breach and someone's system is hacked or someone leaves a laptop on the train, who has to tell whom by when. Uh, and that all sounds like a lot to do, but a lot of data protection practice is really just thinking about what sorts of data you might have uh, and then behaving sensibly in relation to it. Uh, and again, um, just as for cybersecurity, the, there's guidance here, for example, in the, the ICA IBA roadmap on data protection and in international arbitration, which you already mentioned. Um, there was a consultation draft of that published in, uh, I think, February, though that was only a draft and, and not for citation. The final version is due this, this year, hopefully. But, but that gives all sorts of example scenarios and things to think about which are really useful so that's definitely worth a read. I see and as you've uh, mentioned the new LCIA rules prompt parties and tribunals to uh, think about these issues at an early stage. 
why is it important to to do that? Why is it important to think about these issues at an early stage? Well, all sorts of reasons, really. Um, raising all this at the outset is is very sensible because it prevents problems later on. Um, for example, with recalcitrant parties trying to take advantage and refuse to disclose a document based on data protection grounds. If that sort of thing has been discussed in advance, it's much easier to deal with. Um, parties coming from different backgrounds, from different countries, may have different expectations uh, or, or standards of information security and data protection. So it's good to flush all that out at, at an early stage and make sure everyone knows where they stand. Uh, and a large part of data protection is to do with transparency and accountability so people know what is going to happen and so it's it's documented properly and that might require steps to be taken to um, properly document any relevant protocols um, in advance of something going wrong so um, so that um, if um, heaven forbid an investigator comes looking you can show your your policies and it's always good to be ahead of the game uh, but I think there's another important point here, and that is that thinking about data protection uh, and indeed information security really does help enhance good practice more generally. Um, so, for example, tribunals have been urging parties for years not to provide the tribunal uh, and certainly not the institution with unnecessary materials. So reams of documents on, on a short application for time extension. Um, and, and only to give them those documents when the tribunal needs to see them. Uh, uh, and and uh, that is good data protection practice as well. You only disclose the documents to the tribunal when the tribunal needs to see them. So, so they, they feed in to each other. Uh, and discussing data protection may trigger other points which the parties might traditionally not think of until late in the day, but which can really benefit from being discussed early, such as the use of technology more generally in the arbitration and how bundles can be managed, all that sort of thing. Uh, so it really is worth getting this out in the open uh, early on. But of course, issues can arise throughout uh, and the tribunal and the parties need to keep an eye on things uh, as they develop. But I think overall, as I say, the key is to think about things early, take a look at the IBA cybersecurity guidance, take a look at the, the ICA IBA data protection roadmap, uh, which go into this in a lot more detail th than we can deal with uh, today. But there really is a lot of good stuff in there. Thank you very much indeed, Lawrence, for that informative and engaging discussion about data protection and information security and how they're addressed under the new rules. That was our final episode in this series of podcasts, looking at the provisions of the new 2020 LCIA rules. If you would like to read more about the rules, please do remember to visit our website at www.lcia.org. Thank you very much for listening. I hope this has been helpful.